0: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Two Indie Authors podcast
1: with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, Rob and I are going to have an honest chat about why my novella series hasn't taken off at full flight by delving into how us indie authors can breathe new life into old books that chat comes before I have to stick my fingers in my ear while Rob murders another classic pop tune as an intro to our mailbag question. And then towards the end of the show, we will be welcoming psychological thriller writer A.A. A. Abbott to the show to face our seven questions. Uh, but before all that, we yeah. should begin, as we always do, Robert, by discussing our past seven days as uh, independent authors. So how, how has the past week been for you, my friend?
0: It's been good. It's been nice and productive. I don't have... Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I don't have loads of things to update on. Um, I've kind of been doing a lot of promoting of the first Jack Townsend book, which is being really well-received. Great. Um, it's getting really good reviews, getting lots of positive feedback. Mm. I'm getting quite a lot of pre-orders of the next one. No. Um So it's obviously got a bit of staying power. So it's, it's done... Um what I was hoping it would do, which is really? good. And then obviously um I do nano rhymo. So I think I'm at forty something thousand words on the new soundbook oh, book. That's halfway is... through. More? Uh, it's over halfway through, yeah. Um but also nano rhymo sets the target of fifty thousand words. Right. So I'll hit that and I'll get my little certificate. Right. Um, but I reckon I'll probably finish up NaNoWriMo somewhere around like the 55-ish thousand words, which means I'll probably have about 20,000 words to write but, um, to finish the next Sampoke book, which I I want to get done with my I want it with my editor before um, Christmas. So I can just get it ready, bash it out for January in the new year and then kind of start the new year with a book launch and then focus on whatever 2024 has in store for me
1: awesome so so that's 70 70 percent of a book in a month yeah
0: probably yeah that's amazing i did it last year that's brilliant did this year um i'd like to do a naNoWriMo every two every other month probably that (laughs) would explode me but it would probably also explode my brain so um yeah yeah, probably not going to do that. But yeah, no, it's been, like I said, it's not been a thoroughly like, I don't have loads of exciting updates for people, um, but it's been a good, it's been a really good productive week, one that's probably much needed and one that's not bad to have from time to time. So how about you, David? How's things been in your neck of the woods?
1: Yeah, good. I've been just sort of leading up to um, a launch. So you've just completed a launch. Mm-hmm. I've got a launch uh, in a couple of days after we record this episode. It's, which is for book four in that Lenny Moon series, which is a private uh, investigator novella series that I've really sort of just been chipping away at uh, most of the year. It's um, it's funny, that series. We're actually going to... I was talking to you last week about this, Rob, about, you know, Betsy yeah. Blake, book number one, in this was an international bestseller. It sold 170,000 copies and... The follow-up novellas then that I've been writing this year just haven't been reaching that those heights or anywhere near them. They're, I think that whatever happened to next, which is the sequel, the novella sequel, um, has sold just over seven thousand copies. So, it's a it's a long way mm. short of finding the market that you know had invested in in Betsy. So, uh, it this is something. You know, I have a it's something we're going to talk about in depth now over the next half an hour as our main talking point. Why this has happened, and and, and and how we can rectify it. Oh. And it will be quite interesting then for all our listeners to sort of gain some some knowledge from some errors I have probably made. Um, but it, you know, I, I've got a book coming out in two days, Rob, and normally that used to be mm. a big deal in that I'd you know would be I'd have a lot of capital to push marketing at it, but with these novellas, I'm just letting them drop and and, and sort of relying on read through so whereas normally with a new launch I would be excited and all over it, 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 uh-huh. it this is really just another day in my indie author career but um, yeah hopefully it's something you can help me with because gonna, I gonna—I was about to pick your brain a week ago and you were giving me so much juicy mm-hmm. information that you we said hold on let's stop this um, this is good content for our listeners let's, let's do a, a main mm-hmm. talking point on why my novella series hasn't taken off so we should get to it
0: yeah, let's go. Let's go. Two in the now you spoke uh, then, David, about this novella series. Um, I think you got book four in the series coming out this this week. Yeah. Um, And this goes back to our regular listeners will know that a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't put out an episode because of some technical issues with our podcast provider, um, despite how many hours we tried to get it up um, onto all the platforms. But uh, that was actually when we originally started having this conversation and we were going to record... Um, this sort of deep dive into your novella series then, so there's probably a chance that some of the points we spoke about on that now lost episode <laughs> you might have addressed, but I think the reason why we said we we'd do this as an episode is because it's always a useful um okay not a useful process because we were talking about <clears throat> i'm not going um you know boost your ego too much but you're you're talking about a guy here who's sold 400,000 books has been doing this for a living for half a decade now um and this is you know a series that does include your you know smash hit bestseller betsy blake that's you said it's sold nearly 200,000 copies but it's a useful process even if you've gone through all that to then i don't know maybe really break it down have a look a bit more granularly at yeah, you know, the areas, maybe the gaps you have in your process, because like you said, you know, you've been doing this for five years, but you're now trying to get a series going that doesn't seem to be taking off. Yeah. And that's why we're going to have this conversation. So I guess I'm not going to do this like a an interview because that's a point, that's not what this is about. But I guess I want to ask you just what was the thought process? Because I think the biggest point I had to make to you when we started having this conversation was you've shifted what was a psychological thriller about a lost child and their father's desperation to find them into a series about a private investigator
1: yes you're so right so
0: why did you want to do that
1: well yeah it wasn't the case of wanting to do that um are you going to clear the decks for our listeners here? Well, when we started the podcast a year ago, um, in very early episodes, listeners would have heard me saying, I'm taking a year off. I wasn't going to write any novels this year in 2023 because I had had this sort of um, sort of warm introduction into screenwriting and I was going to concentrate. I had some open leads there, so I was concentrating on that this year and I was just going to market my old books. Um, Because I felt bad that I was letting my readers down for a whole year, yeah. um at the very start of this year in January, I wrote a little sequel novella for whatever happened to Betsy Blake because it was so it was such a beloved book. I thought well here's a little sequel little catch up with where Betsy is five years later that then, having spoken to you um specific or uh, particularly you but a lot of our authors who we've invited onto the seven questions now that we're involved in the author community and seeing that, oh, series writing sort of does work. I thought, oh, right. I wonder if I can make this novella follow up an actual series. If I wrote sort of eight of these novellas, it would make a whole nine book series that I could just market book number one and have all that read through come, which is the, the model you worked off. So inspired by the model of series writing. Um, so that's what this year turned into for me. I was still still chasing the dream of this uh, avenue on screenwriting, but writing these novellas every two or three months about a thirty thousand word novella. Great, this will do. What Robs has done, Rob um, Marcus book number one. He doesn't have to worry about books two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That all comes from the read through. Easy because num book number one for me has sold one hundred seventy thousand copies. So I already have a yeah. huge head start. Cut two, at the end of this year, I've booked four of that series now coming out, um, but books two and three just haven't sold anywhere near as much as the original. And when I was saying this to you, you gave me some great tips. One, yeah, Dave, because whatever happened to Betsy Blake is a psychological thriller inside the mind of a missing girl. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you, what your series is, is almost like a spin-off where you're taking one of the characters, right. Lynn Moon, and you're taking him through a series of looking at uh, investigating a series of missing girls or missing children. Okay. That makes perfect sense, Rob. That makes perfect sense. Also, Dave, and then you give me loads of information. Um, one, I'm uh, yeah, I'm advertising it wrong. I'm marketing wrong. I'm marking a psychological thriller when really I should be marketing this now as a private investigator series. Now, our listeners might think that's a huge difference, but it's massive in terms of tone and imagery and copy that you will use to sell this. Um, So we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about that now in a second. Rob Rob has inspired me to to change the tact on how I market Betsy Blake. Because even though I'm selling Betsy Blake as a psychological thriller, it's not getting that mass read through because they're not expecting a serial. That makes sense. Rob taught me that. Um, You also said then that... um, you know, one's a, nove- one's a novel, the rest are novellas. You need to, you know, one was written five years ago, book two was written five years later. You know, all of these variables that you were feeding me with. So since we had that conversation, which is now known as the lost tape, um, we need, <laughs> I've sort of put some of those practices that you taught me into place. So we now have advertising, advertising image, which goes, I've seen. This is a series which you yeah, think, I, think, I think
0: just um, from my feedback on it, I saw it you've got now the Lenny Moon yeah. cover <clears throat> with the books behind it. The imagery is different. So um, I go to David quite a lot with Facebook ads. Um, it's safe to say, David, without Facebook ads, you wouldn't have had this big career because you smashed Facebook ads. Yeah. Uh, if any of our listeners were going to come to either you or me about Facebook as I would point them towards you based on the success you you generate, especially around Betsy Blake. Yeah. Because I don't know if those ads are still running, but your ads were very much like, you know, this haunting child of like a crying toddler girl. Yeah. With these sensational headlines. And yeah, you know, you've got the gripping title of Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake. It sounds like a news report. Yeah. Now that is very much of a genre and that's why like, you absolutely knocked that out of the park. When I then had a look at what you were doing, when when you sort of said to me, you know, I do have a very successful series. My Sam Pope series is, you know, the, like you said, the read-through is is proof of that. Yeah. If you're generating the same. But then now, one of the first things I saw was that you were still marketing Betsy Blake as a standalone book. Yeah. Which means the audience you're going to attract are uh, wanting a standalone book. Now it might sound obvious, but this is our listeners to know this. That's where it's like this difference comes in. This is where it comes to understanding your readers and who you're targeting. Because hey now David, you can look at any one of my ads on Facebook. You can go onto the Facebook ads library and you can search for me and you will see all of my ads that are currently running. I've even got older ones where I've got less covers. I have as many of my covers on there as possible. Yeah. It's a very standard template. You've probably seen a lot of other similar ones now as well, where I've got my action hero and a grid of my covers yeah. just saying, um, my tagline is a fight for something or join the fight. Yes. Which then just come in, look at all this content. What you're doing, if you weren't changing it up, is you're luring someone in with this, yeah, here's this critically acclaimed psychological novel. Yeah, it's a psychological thriller novel. It's got all these reviews, all these sales, And then kind of at the end going, oh, by the way, here's other books in the series, which yeah. they're probably going like, well, I didn't I wasn't here for that. So yeah. that's why it's really, really important. And I've seen now that your your books are now. They're not not focused on Betsy Blake. Yeah. But you're packaging it together as, yeah, this is a guy who specializes in finding
1: missing kids, right? Yeah exactly and it makes it it's one of those slap yourself in the face moments um it seems so yeah. obvious and um yet yet here i am sort of you know recording this podcast every week hopefully helping other writers and it just it just goes to show that you can you can, you, you, you there's so many variables to all of this Rob, that it's so easy to overlook um so many of them and that that that's mm-hmm. true, that's Just common sense. That's what I mean about slapping myself in the face. I am a standalone psychological thriller reader. And Mm -hmm. if I bought the next Gillian Flynn book, I went, oh, this one looks interesting. And at the end of it, it went, oh, by the way, this is also an eight book novella spin-off of this. I mean, well, that's not my bag. That's really not what I'm interested Mm. in. Um, So that's psychology alone. Whereas you are a series reader. Whereas if I advertise to a series reader and they know from the outset, this is what this is. You're going to join the investigation from book to book, from episode to episode. Is this what you're into? People are already, they've already psychologically crossed that bridge and they're Mm -hmm. ready to invest in all nine books rather than, you know, like I would be just the standalone. Yeah. And I should have known all this. I think...
0: Yeah, no, no. But this is this is where you know you built your entire career off of these successful standalone books. You package them together as these trilogies, but they were more—it was more like an anthology than a trilogy. It wasn't like yes. this is the recurring character. Whereas it goes back to knowing your genre. I write an action thriller genre. I could write standalone. I've got a standalone action thriller called One by One. Yeah, where I could have turned the character to that into a series, but I didn't want to. But most people, Jimmy. If you're reading a book about a one-man army taking down bad guys, chances are you're probably going to win at the end. Yeah. And then chances are, if you enjoyed it, you want to see him kick some more ass again. That's yeah, that's how it works. If you apply it the same as you do to like movie franchises or or that, you know, you did. There's ways of doing it, but then the kind of story around Betsy Blake probably didn't call for a sequel. Like I say, it didn't probably call for follow-up it was a night nice, like what started out as a nice thing for you to do for your fans yeah then turned into oh, I'll turn this into a sequel so <clears throat> off the back of that there i had two i think two bigger points there again i think it's important david that us as authors um we look inwardly uh ourselves creatively and as business people so like what are we putting yeah. out there um and the, what you know the ways we're producing so i actually think one of the key points i pulled up to you about why this might be having trouble was that there was almost like a five-year gap between betsy blake and what happened next five four-year gap and that's a long time, and I don't mean this in a bad way. If someone's come along, read Betsy Blake, really enjoyed it, but then moved on to other authors, other because they they like these standalone novels. Yeah. That's a long time for someone to forget about.
1: So true, you yeah. Know,
0: you as a, you're not a, you're not a constant concern. Yes, which sounds really harsh, and I don't mean it to be, but it's whereas for me. Mine was Sam Pope, boom, six months later, another Sam Pope, six months later, another Sam Pope. And then when I've become full-time, that that period shortened down. So that reminder to my readers of Sam Pope has been way more frequent, which kind of, again, if you go back to that whole thing about marketing of you keep getting shown the same thing and you eventually clicks in your mind. If I kept feeding my readers Sam Pope, they eventually became hooked on it almost, if that makes sense, which yeah. then equals the read-through. Whereas your massive time gap between the very successful standalone book and then this follow-up at breaking into a series yeah, means that most of those 170,000, I mean, obviously, they're not all from five years ago, but yeah. the breakout success of the book, most of those people have probably read... 100, 200 books since then. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, at least.
1: Yeah, and so we've already established that a lot, an awful lot of those. So the idea was to let's find these 170,000 people again and let them know that there's actually four or five more books in this series. No. Um, So, one, we've sort of already established that those 170,000, a bulk of them are likely just psychological thriller standalone fans anyway. So you know, to think that yeah. all 170,000 are going to follow me along the series is misguided. And then, as you say, there's that five-year yeah. gap that makes it even much, much, much more difficult. And there's lots of variables to why that's more difficult. Um, Like, for example, I used to advertise on Facebook and earn double, triple my money. I can't do that these days And every advertisement, The iOS yeah. update has sort of, you know... It's reduced the revenue growth from Facebook as it's more difficult to find your bullseye reader now on Facebook because some people have turned off wanting to be tracked. Um, makes sense. So I have to come in a different way. Um, an awful lot of my email list is is there, but I'm I'm trying to push the serious thing to them. I think that's where I've got a bulk of my sales is from the email list. Um, yeah. Is, yeah, I say that is, but I've had to change now to sort of spending more money on Amazon ads than I did when Betsy was an original hit. Because Betsy was a real hit, as you've already alluded mm-hmm. because of Facebook ads. Um, that doesn't, that, those ads still sell that book. They don't sell it at as rapid a rate. But now, as you have talked, uh-huh. I'm not looking to just sell Betsy. I really need to go, this is a series. Let's go. So, Yeah, Rather than, which was my original sort of um, concept here, was let's find those 170,000 that bought Betsy and sell them all these follow-up books. Great cha-ching! But now we've established that 170,000 might necessarily want a series. That 170,000 haven't fucking read Betsy in five years at least. So there's all these big bridges. So now what I have to do, Rob, is I have to go from scratch, find a new audience and an audience who likes series and investigator series and police procedurals and go hey this is a nine book series of a private investigator in search of missing people yes i'm in Th- that's the audience i need to find i need to stop fixating on trying to win back the hundred and seventy thousand that bought betsy originally
0: yeah that's exactly it and and you just did it so succinctly there which is the the difference of your sentence of This is like a psychological thriller about a missing girl and her dad's final search for her, as opposed to this is a private investigator series based around investigating missing people. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Very different. And um, the only other real, like, sort of, I'd say a business point that I'd have is one of the reasons why you'll hit a stumbling block is the fact that you're writing novellas. Yeah. And I understand the process behind that is you want to be able to do them sort of quickly while you're pursuing other interests. Yeah. But if you were writing four, thirty thousand novels a year, you need to I know, would you be best served writing 260,000 novels? Yeah. And turning it into a novel series because I think the idea for some people would be, oh, there's a follow-up story. Oh, it's 130 pages.
1: Yeah. And mm. I believe that each of them are left on huge cliffhangers, like nothing is resolved like you have to go to the next book if you want like it's all one story, so yeah, you're dead right it, It's another big variable it, who wants a novella um I, I they do say it's becoming a more rapidly increasing market novellas and quick stories yeah. but um, you know the truth is that they 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 the reason I was writing novellas is because I knew I could get one out every three months. And it was supposed to be almost mm. like that rapid release. Every three months, here's the next in the series. Um, but at the same time, what I really... And I haven't been marketing it. I have to say, I haven't marketed it as a series. I've only marketed Betsy as a psychological uh, standalone. But now, in two days' time, not only does my fourth book come out uh, in the series, but also the first package of books, one to nice. three. And I think that's probably where this is really going to earn its crust is when you go okay, well here's six hundred pages of you know the first three yeah. books. What well, yeah, one's a novel and then the other two are novellas. But at least you know it's a five ninety nine package, and you're getting some meat on the bone here. So I'm really am only going to start marketing it as a series and marketing to this first trilogy over the next few days so the, the marketing has been lacking so I mean that's one of the biggest points you said to me at the very beginning well you're not marketing it as a series and I haven't been so I'm hoping now mm-hmm. I mean we, we've given our listeners some decent information there on the variables you know we're, we're all, me and you Rob we're always talking about be influenced by other authors but don't copy them because if you're copying them mm-hmm. you're really missing out so there's me copying myself right trying to um, sell this Betsy Blake psychological thriller when really I'm trying to sell a series and that even can't go right yep. so all these vary you have to find your own audience for your own specific needs for all the variables that make up your novel you've got to find the audience that, that ticks those boxes and here I am trying to sell the same novel a different way and it doesn't work so it's a really great lesson for all our listeners this
0: yeah I think it's it's one that you shouldn't be too proud to do um I've had to kind of reflect on things that throughout my journey, I spent lots of money on getting all my books rebranded um, a few yeah. years ago. to right. recall, Because, you know, I had to, and I had to make quite a, so the person who was doing my covers was a good friend of mine who was trying to sort of break into um, graphic design um As like a side business to potentially go there, and you know the idea there was, oh, he does these book covers for an author, but my books weren't selling, and uh, the reason why was because of that, and I had to sort of say to him, this is not personal, but yeah, I have to get the covers. Sorry, um uh-huh. you know, but these are things you have to be able to look at things honestly and objectively. And I think the fact that you're doing that and I've seen the new branding that it's like the Lenny Moon private investigator series will definitely change the direction of it Yeah, because people know it. you'll target the people who are looking for things of that ilk. So, you know, you can never guarantee sales, but what you can guarantee is the people who will now be looking at your book will be people who have read other private investigator series and that's what you want and that's where um i've already had like someone's i can't remember i've had only a, a, a very few <laughs> negative reviews for jack townsend most of it's been overwhelmingly positive but i've had a few people saying like oh it's just so much slower than his other stuff oh and it focuses on family Oh, a load of rubbish i, yeah. I, I don't think variables again next, yeah i was like yeah, I was like, but this is it's a different genre. Yes. But obviously I sent out to my mailing list saying this is a new series I'm doing. It's a detective series. It's going to be different. But those people were there for um Sam Pope. So they've picked up my new book because they're a fan of me as an author, but they're not a fan of the genre I've started moving into. Exactly. So they've gone not coming back for the next one. And that is again it, you can't get upset about it because people like what they like, but you have to learn from that and do that. So, you know, something I've got down the line when I'm going to start breeding out the Jack Townsend series over the next year is I'm going to start splitting my mailing list. Yeah. you here for Sandpa? You here for both? Are you here for Jack Townsend? Because then I can target those people with different things. And that's what yeah. David's now doing with his advertising, which is um, which is really good. And I think, um, I think that's the last part. For, um, I stopped grilling you, David. (laughs) Um, it's just from a creative side of things. So, we've talked about like the business to marketing, and the only question I just sort of put to you is the decision well, not the decision because I understand the decision because of the Betsy Blank book. I've read it, I won't give any spoilers, but of the book. Um, Lenny is the one, the private investigator who had the sort of potential to move into other cases because he's a private investigator. Um, The only thing there is is he was basically, if you read Betsy Blake first, if you have the three sort of main characters of Betsy, the dad and Lenny, Mm -hmm. Lenny's probably third on that list of when it comes to probably the... Not the heart of the story, but like the emotional pull of the story. Yes. Is this kid who's gone missing and this dad trying to find her? Then marketing that to people who've read that to them say, Oh, you remember the third guy in that book? He's yeah. now got a series. I think that is probably why a lot of maybe the 170,000 people haven't gone on. Whereas if you're targeting new readers, telling them he is important. Yeah. Even when they read Betsy Blake, where, again, he's probably the third most important character of the three, they still know they're going into this as it's
1: his series, I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're so right there. That That's a shift in that variable that we're talking about. And it's also, um, yeah, it is. It it, 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 it Betsy Blake wasn't written to be the first in a series. You're so right But something happens to to Lenny at the end of that book that sort of uh, makes him go in a different direction. And that, you know, if I was writing a series, I I perhaps would have made Lenny a bit more prominent in the original. But you're so right. Books 2 to 9 are more a spin-off of Betsy Blake than direct sequel. But I write um third party omniscient of the investigate of the investigator, of Lenny Moon himself. And then we switch in chapters into the psychological um mindset of each of the children he's investigating. So we know where the children are, we know where Lenny is, how can he find this child? And there's just another story at play in the original about Betsy's father who's, you know, undergone this big major 50-50 surgery and it's his last chance to try and find her. Um, so that is what we lose in the sequels. We've just got lenny's third party um investigation. Mm. and the psychological first-person narration of the child itself. So they do marry in a lot of ways, but you're so right. I mean, yeah, yeah everything you say, it wasn't, it wasn't originally supposed to be written as a first-in series. It was five years ago. It was written as a psychological thriller. Now I'm jumping into a spin-off, Private Investigator. So all of these sort of measures that you pointed out to me, they really have played such a part, which is why we've had to shift the marketing. So it's a nice lesson about variables and, and these differences. You've even uh-huh. just experienced it yourself that your Sam Pope is not your Jack Townsend audience necessarily. There will yeah. be a diagram where a lot of them reach or, you know, cross over, but there will be a certain percentage that don't cross over. And that's just variables. The same writer, fans already of your books, may not be fans of a slight shift in genre. And that's what we're telling our exactly. about, don't copy authors because we can't even copy ourselves. That's how it is. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to make these changes and I'm going to market it as a series uh, over the next couple of months, um, mm-hmm. the last month of this year and then, and then the first month of next year. And I'll inform our listeners how that's going and how I've shifted from not really being able to sell the novellas into hopefully um, selling them quite readily. Fantastic. Well, um we will definitely check back in.
0: Yeah. Well we'll probably chat about it in our weeks that was, but I think we'll we'll definitely circle back to this. And um yeah. I'm gonna say, David, on behalf of our listeners, uh thank you for being very open and honest about that. Mm. So thank right. you very much. Thank you. And I've been using Facebook ads, 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 ads. ads and I'm following TikTok fats, fast, fast. But I'm going to ask, 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 ask. The mailbag, mailbag. woo
1: hoo oh, yeah. I love the killers. I love the killers. They're brilliant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we have a question in our mailbag, David. And this time it's been sent in by Renee Franklin. Thanks, Renee. Uh, which is a great name. By good way. name. It's an excellent name. Yep. Um, I take that for a He book. says, huh. Yeah, exactly. I might do too. It's a Renee Franklin series by <laughs> Robert Enright and Dave V. Lyons. Uh, hi, guys. A question for the mailbag What is a good pay per click on a Facebook ad? And is pay per click the most important metric I should be looking at on my Facebook ad oh, my. account? Well, we've already hyped you up, David, as a Facebook ads master. Where do you stand on that? I like
1: that question. Um, thanks, Renee. Mm. Well, funny enough, I've I spoke sort of extensively about having a publishing deal originally. Mm-hmm. And I made £550 in like seven months. And, you know, I didn't fall out with the publishers or anything. But I, so I was, when I went the indie route, I was able to pick their brains a little bit. I was still editing novels for them, actually. At this point. So I asked him about this and he really was a a Facebook marketing expert because they were marketing 80 authors' books and they were making a success of them um, on Facebook. Well, not a success for the authors necessarily, but definitely a success for themselves.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And he said, don't worry about pay-per-click or your um, your pay-per-click. I did say that right. I thought I said it wrong. Um, because I can... That Betsy Blake ad we've just spent the last half an hour talking about, Rob, where it's, it's an upset girl. I have a pull quote which says, the devastating read from the Irish Independent, and you're going, right, this is a psychological thriller. Now, I, those ads are 6p. They cost me 6p for a click. Um, oh, Lord, that's so cheap. So cheap. But here's the thing. It has a very, very small percentage of those who click in who buy. Now the mm-hmm. reason for that is because people are going, "Oh, what's happened to this girl? Who's this girl?" And then suddenly they're in it. Amazon, a uh, uh, paperback. No, someone's telling me something. Yeah, yeah. Someone's <laughs> telling me something exactly. Whereas um, how I sell, what I'm, how I sell in the middle of Middle America, which is a totally different book, is I go here's a, here's the book cover, and then I have a pull quote, so you already know it's a book, right? So they mm-hmm. cost me about twenty seventy P a click. And now you're yeah. going, and, and now I'm going, well, I have a much higher percentage on the 27p click who are buying as opposed to those on the 6p. But, you know, if I, if I measure them all up, I'm still advertised both books equally because they both bring in the same amount of profit at the end of the day, which is all I'm worried about. But some of them, Renee, um, I earned that profit from 6p clicks and sometimes I earn that profit from 27 or 28p clicks. And it really is dependent on the bottom line figure. Is is really yeah. the most important metric that you're looking at uh, for Facebook ads or for any of this business? I guess we're going on a bit. What What about you, Rob? How do you measure your Facebook ads?
0: Yeah, you swung the hammer straight on the nails head on that one. Um, mm-hmm. When I saw this question, that was my point. Was um, <laughs> day two is always a good thing. I have a data background. Data is a good mm-hmm. thing. If you can use data, data can tell you if an ad is successfully being shown to people. It's showing you if it's successfully reaching the vast majority of your audience, if it's repeating on people, and it's telling you if people are clicking. So these, th- these, the information Facebook Ads is giving you is really good. Yeah. And you shouldn't, you know, look away. You should once a month sit down, and look at it. You should go more granular. You should see if you're going to both uh, genders. Um, male or female, what's the bigger split? What's the bigger age split? Because then you could test an ad, say, if uh, the majority of your clicks are coming from 50 year old women or women between 45 to 55, why not run an ad targeting just women 45 to 55? And then maybe Get your cost per click goes down, but then your profit goes up because that's your key audience. You need to go through all these uh, to learn out but ultimately. I make a loss on my first book, on my ad. Well, not on my ads, really, because I just target all of it to the first book in the series, which is cheaper than the rest of the series. So if I then look at what I made on the night shift at the end of the month, it's considerably less than what I've paid for on Amazon ads. However, I make considerably more than I pay on my Amazon ads because I pull people in and they go through the machine that is now the Sam Hope series. So... Use those at uh, to answer your question. What's a good cost per click? It's whatever you can afford. Yeah, like the, like David said, there's no point in him getting loads of 6p clicks if he's not getting the sales. So yeah. that's it. If you can, if you have a budget that you're comfortable with, and you're making the sales to cover that budget, and then bring a bit more on top. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter what your cost per click is. But then you could do all those things, like you know, get a bit more granular with your audience zip it down you might be able to bring that down and increase your profits but ultimately all that really matters is what the bottom line is showing after you have run your ads
1: Okay, Rob, it's time for our favourite part of the show. It's the seven questions. Uh, we have a fantastic psychological thriller writer with us today. It's A.A. A. Abbott. A.A. A. I see your branding all over the place. It's such a it's such a, a prominent sort of uh, name, isn't it, that stands out in the in the author community?
2: I, I certainly hope so. I think it's a very alphabetically friendly name. Um, I, I wasn't born with it, funnily enough.
1: <laughs> very smart move that was. Very smart mail. But yeah, it looks fantastic. Your indie career author is going great. Do you mind giving our listeners just a little bit of background of your of your publishing career to date?
2: Sure. So I, I've been writing seriously for about 10 years, published my first book in 2013. Um, I tend to write about one book a year, which means I have wow. 10 books out. Right. They are psychological thrillers about women who find their strength in the face of danger. Uh, great. <laughs> And I can tell you more about them. I could take up the entire interview telling you about my books. Yeah, no, please
1: do. So, is it 10 years that you've been independently publishing books?
2: Yes, absolutely. Ah, so you're on the
1: first wave, really.
2: Uh, Possibly, although I I don't think I knew what I was doing. And I think that will come out in the the seven questions (laughs) that you're about to ask.
1: Well, that's amazing because I've been at it half that time and I've seen so many changes. It is like treading choppy waters, isn't it? Because we're we're sort of relying on digital technology. And we've all seen that it has failed today when we were were late getting this interview going, (laughs) my fault, technology, but because digital is such a baby it's changing all the time so what used to work two years ago doesn't work for me we've just discussed that actually um, today on the podcast so yeah ten years this is going to be a fascinating seven questions Rob yeah absolutely and and
0: to be perfectly honest I think everyone's made tons of mistakes along the way if I'm honest I know I have yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah absolutely okay Let's let's jump into the seven questions, uh, AA, um, and we'll start with the first one that we always ask, which is, are you a full-time author?
2: I call myself a full-time author, but I'm more of a full-time idler and <laughs> part-time <laughs> author. Snap. <laughs> so, when I've got a chapter plan up together and my character bible then i work ferociously hard because i kind of know what i'm doing yes i'm in my comfort zone and i'll just work flat out for eight hours a day plus but it takes me a long time to get to that stage Yeah. yeah and then easily distracted with fun on social media and hanging out with family and friends and going to coffee bars the place where i live has got more than a dozen coffee bars within a 10 minute walk so i like to check them out you know
1: hey i think we, we might live parallel lives I have, a feel, I have a feeling we do um yeah well it's just so easy to procrastinate we've been through this on the podcast rob it's there's so many distractions yeah. and, and the world is so noisy um but yeah it's it's so hard and 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 um when I was working I used to work as a journalist AA and I wrote my first couple of books whilst I was working as a journalist but the pace of my books got no quicker when I became a full-time author I literally that is that is just the pace of, of how I write a book so I was never going to be eight books a year that type of guy. So we we all do sort of have to take it at our own on pace. But uh, yeah, that that's an interesting an answer and so a, our answer to that question I can totally relate. Rob, you're a bit more disciplined than us, aren't you?
0: I'm I'm I hit this the same spot that you were talking about there, AA, where I I usually go into a book knowing what's happening in it, like quite to quite a granular level. So when I sit down to write, I'm not sitting there trying to pluck like an idea or an inspiration or something like that i usually have like a structure of what i'm sitting down to write every time um it takes me a little while to build that structure out um like you sort of said yourself but um once i i'm similar to you once i've got it and i know what i'm sitting down to write i kind of just go straight for it like david will back me up on that sometimes i'll just get into a yeah. flow and i'll i will smash out loads of
1: uh loads of words <laughs> yeah you've done fifty thousand words this month right
0: yeah, I've been doing well, nano Rhyme. I'm nearly. I'm at about forty six,
1: I think, ish now. So nearly yeah. there. That is amazing. That is a, that's that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I'm. I write about ten thousand words a month. Type of, uh, unless I'm. I'm. I'm in a crazy flow. But is it? Is it standalones
2: you write, Helen, or AA? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It is these days. Uh, I I started with two standalones, then I wrote a series of five, uh, which weren't exactly psychological thrillers. They kind of segued a bit from being uh, mysteries to kidnapping thrillers to straightforward crime thrillers. Um, Quite a bit of psychological stuff in them, I suppose. But then I decided psychological thriller standalones were the way to go yeah we're not just
1: parallels on how we work I think we're parallels on what, <laughs> what our work is like as well uh, snap on that as well they're the types of books I write I'm fascinated to, to know how you have navigated these 10 years and so one of the big questions or one of the first questions we have to ask ourselves when we're doing this in the authoring is um, whether to go wide with our eBooks or exclusive to Amazon so, so question two asks what decision you made in that regard
2: uh, I'm exclusive to Amazon with my eBooks because uh, my books are really very British. There's a strong sense of place about them. Yeah. Um, the, the last book was set in Clifton, the district of Bristol, where I live in the English West Country. And in the past, I've set books in London and in Birmingham because those are cities that I know really, really well. Uh, they're, they're very, very British. And... So inevitably, although uh, Canadians, Germans and Americans do buy them, the UK is my core market. Yeah. And Amazon totally dominates the UK marketplace. So I, I, I feel that as an indie, I'm going to do better by putting my books into Kindle Unlimited yeah. And letting Amazon's Kindle Unlimited subscribers have access to them.
0: I think it's um, yeah, it's a really yeah. intelligent, decision. um decision to make. Um, we we preach quite a lot on the uh, preach is quite a strong word. We talk quite a lot on the podcast um, about understanding your audience and like knowing where your readers are. Um, whether that's um, whether you're trying to do social media marketing or you're trying to find what categories they should exist in all that jazz and we've never really touched upon location but what you've just made a really good point there is is if your books are predominantly like your core audience is the uk and your you know the majority of your sales are coming from the uk market you would want to be as prominent as possible on the 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 market leader, right, which is Amazon. So I think it's a smart decision. It's one David yeah. and I have a very similar uh decision to you as well. We're both in Kindle Unlimited. Um as are the majority of our guests to be fair. But yeah. we spoke um AA about your uh, ten years of um being an indie author. So we're gonna get under the hood a little bit more now. Um and i 'm really interested to hear some of your answers to these questions, um, especially over a, a ten year span. So number three is name the one service you use as an indie author that you couldn 't do without
2: i 'd have to flip a coin between plotter and pro writing aid ah. i mean I assume we're not we 're not talking about amazon no. <laughs> Amazon is obviously a service I cannot do yeah. without but when it, when it comes to actual tools for writing, I like Plotter at the plotting stage. It just makes it much easier to juggle multiple plot themes, multiple timelines. Okay. Um, but at the editing stage, Pro Writing Aid is absolutely brilliant uh, because not only does it have a superb spell checker and editor, but it will do things like check whether you've repeated the same phrases throughout a long manuscript. Hmm. And Obviously, I read my manuscripts really, really carefully, and I'm looking out for repetition, but I won't necessarily spot yeah. it the way that Pro Writing Aid, which is effectively a bot, will do. So, Pro Writing Aid gets my vote. I think. Yes, I-
1: I'm I'm a virgin to Plotter. Uh, I have to admit, uh, but I do mm-hmm. use Pro Writing Pro Writing Aid. It's, par- it's definitely part of my. Um, Finalizing process. I, I use that before I give it my final read, before it then goes to editors and, and, and proofreaders. What about you, Rob? Have you used uh, Plotter or Pro Writing Aid? I've never used
0: Plotter either. I have used Pro Writing Aid. Um, I usually run it through that as well once I yeah. had my kind of first read through it. I, I kind of tried to read through the book without. Wanting to edit it just to read the story, and then I put it through Pro Writing, and then it goes on to to my editor and off into that process. So, yeah, I can thank you on that. It's a really, really good tool.
2: It is good. I I think it saves me money because my editor's not going to charge me as much if she gets a clean manuscript from me. Uh, And I also use beta readers a lot as well. Um, I'm really, really lucky. I've got about 30 people who are prepared to beta read. I know opinions vary on beta readers, but I think they're heroes. They're just brilliant, brilliant people. Oh, they are the
1: best. Yes, absolutely. And I totally hear you on editors as well. I've edited maybe nearly 90 novels now, I think, at this stage. And you, you are what you really a good editor is really expensive but they're expensive for a reason because you're really paying for their time and if you're taking up that sort of time with them fixing you know doing a line edit more so than an actual developmental and like proper giving you good uh, bang for your book you should really give it to them um, as clean as, as you possibly can okay. um, so I totally hear you on that um, I, I might and pro-writing aid is great but plotter I'm going have to have to look into actually I'll do that now based on your recommendation AA thanks very much um, but question four is, is, is one that I, I wonder if um, you've had a wave of experience in, in this regard is how do you market your books
2: well, how long's a piece of string? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, actually, uh, I think the absolute best way that I've found so far has been Amazon advertising. And I've learned a lot about that from Brian Cohen, mm-hmm. who you and your listeners will undoubtedly have heard yeah. of. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian Cohen, American ads guru. He runs a quarterly course, which is free.
0: Yes. And a five-day challenge, uh, and isn't I- it? Yeah. That's right. Mm.
2: Yeah. The five-day ad yeah. challenge. And it, it, it is awesome. It, it's really fun. I, I've ended up volunteering to help out on the oh, ad oh, challenges great. these days. So it means I repeat them and do them again. And, and it's it's worth doing them again and again, even if you never, ever buy his books or buy his courses, because he's happy for you to come back. And every time he's working with the latest information about what ah. is working on Amazon now.
1: Right. I did so. take the five-day challenge a couple of years ago now. And um, mm. it, then he improved my ads. But like that, there, there's something about Amazon ads that doesn't <laughs> register in my brain. It's all to do with, the, the you know, turning them up and what to turn off and what to turn on and what to turn up. Mm-hmm. And for some... I, my head just doesn't work that way. And I really... I would... I've tried to pay, pe- pay people to run my Amazon ads, but do you know what? I, th- I must give Brian's five-day challenge another go as well, actually. I'll have to add that to the, to the to-do list because it was the, on- it was the only it- time where I did feel I was getting some decent traction or at least turn up on the ad spend, which has always been my issue.
2: Yeah, do it. And consider his premium course as well, because it, it's not expensive. It, it is going up in the new year. So it, it, it is better to do it before the end of 2023,
1: if you yeah. can. Yeah, we, we'll, have, we'll have to get Brian on the show, actually. Yeah, I think it's 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 such an area
0: that, Lots of people have had success in Amazon ads and there's uh, loads of authors I've spoken to. And I think I, I probably fall near the bottom of the bracket of they're having trouble with... Um, I've got Amazon ads to work, but I've not had Amazon ads to scale, if that makes sense. I, yes. I've been able to get them profitable. I've been able to get them ticking along, but it's it's the building them up and building them up. So I think it's it's always an area that as much information as people can absorb as possible so i'm i agree with you aa i think if people are sitting there going oh i don't know how to do amazon ads or that they should they should probably check out brian cohen and at least do his free course right
2: oh definitely do his free course
0: yeah
2: Uh, and then do it again (laughs) yeah i will do it i must do it
0: again yeah no fantastic and i think Again, because David and I usually talk quite a lot about our Facebook ads, and um, a lot of people get um, some good success on Facebook ads. It cannot be stressed how important it is to at least have a presence on Amazon through Amazon ads, because it is the marketplace where your book is in front of people who are there to buy books. Because you're not disrupting their social media, you're actually just you're just putting your book in front of them while they're already looking for books. So, um, I think. Yeah, definitely yeah, check presence. out Brian Cohen's. Yeah, ch- check out Brian Cohen's ads. Definitely, one hundred percent great advice there. Um, this is a good one, and this is question number five, which is: What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset ten years ago?
2: Oh, so many things, but. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing is, I wish I'd known how important it was to have a, a cover that was relevant to the genre yeah. and to have a professional edit. and And I learnt those things. I, I learnt very quickly that oh. it was a good idea to get books edited. All my books have been professionally edited, uh, and the recent ones have got very good covers. The older ones, not so much. Yeah. And I, I wish I'd known that readers actually look at covers for a matter of seconds. And if it doesn't look like it's your genre, then you'll just move yeah. on.
1: It's the single most important marketing tool. It's it's, it's more important than the blurb. Mm. It's more important than your advertisement that led them there. Well, most often, if you're advertising on Amazon, it is your advertisement, your, your, like your Front cover is your advertising and a thumbnail of the front cover as well, which needs to be uh uh always remembered in that regard when it when it comes to design but yeah we we talk about it a lot, don't we rob the front cover just has to scream we we've made those mistakes as well um. With 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 some, you know, thinking that we we'll, we'll get something eclectic and and it will look so unique and, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. you're thinking, wow, no, what you need to do is if you're writing a psychological thriller, your book needs to be able to slot right next to a proper like a Gillian Flynn or a Paula Hawkins book.
2: Absolutely. And you spoke earlier about um the importance of knowing your market as well. Uh, and most of my readers are female that's just the way it is with psychological thrillers about three quarters readers will be women Uh, so there's no point having a heavily masculine cover which some of my earlier thrillers were Right, yes because that's going to put off your core audience It, it might attract a few others but you're going to do better if you aim for the majority of the people who are going to be reading your book rather than the minority. A hundred
1: percent, you really do. And the the, the audiences out there, they're these uh amazing people who eat up books. We call them sharks here, are the two in the orders like they're reading a book a day. Like that that audience is is always hungry and they know exactly what they're looking for and the front cover will tell them that. They'll just skim by it um, if the front cover doesn't work. They really will. They're not looking for something unique. They're looking for something familiar. Um, so th- this I like this question. Like, We're well, very good. You'll find AA are praising ourselves for our brilliant questions on the show. <laughs> I do this after They're this fantastic show.
2: questions. <laughs> they're, they're really, really good questions. I, I love the questions. <laughs> you know,
1: I, hope, I hope you like this one. Um, question six asks, what's your biggest frustration as an independent author?
2: It has to be marketing. (laughs) Isn't that everybody's biggest frustration? Everyone just wants to sit there as a keyboard warrior, sipping a bit of coffee, punting out the books. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get our hands dirty with the marketing? No, probably not. But, you know, it it can be fun going out to literary festivals and meeting other readers and writers and, and... Brian has made Amazon ads as fun as they can be <laughs>
0: oh wow, that's a good going <laughs> they're yeah. Not awesome.
1: yeah, that's true that's some achievement but um oh, so, so marketing think, that's interesting
0: yeah, I was gonna say with with marketing well, it's it depends, i think when it comes to the enjoyment of it is how how far you're willing to get involved with it, I find like there's loads of you know tasks you have to do to run a successful indie author business marketing is a massive one Um, and it's how how much you're willing to throw yourself into doing all of those things means you'll get the most enjoyment out of it and also how often you stay on top of it because if you let it stack up and you end up with a to-do list of about 80 things that aren't writing you'll end up resenting it (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
2: yeah, I have to-do lists like that, but hey, you know, when the five-star reviews roll in, it's it's all worthwhile, isn't it? Exactly. You know, when you know you've made people happy with your books, that's such a warm and comfortable glow. It's lovely. It really, it really is. is. Truly. Yeah.
0: Um, well, you've you've had six of our fantastic questions. Eh? Um,
2: They're really great. <laughs> the They're really I'm gonna,
0: we, we saved the best, <laughs> best one for last, um, but basically what we'll ask you for question number seven is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners
2: definitely realize that you're not alone you know my mm, top great tip advice to love it all other writers um is to go out and ask for help ask for feedback because people like to help they like to give feedback uh, and if you can offer help and feedback to others too as you guys do for example even better everyone improves and it's a win-win.
1: Absolutely. It was a big, big draw for me becoming an independent author um, and getting away from an early publishing deal. uh, AA was the community, The the, 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 in the author community, the amount of help I got for just even what I uh, knew at the time were stupid questions. It just really sort of rolled from there for me. And I just thought, right, okay, this is a business I can handle.
2: It's been really great. I belong to a writing group called the Bristol Fiction Writers. And they're really supportive because basically we read books out to each other. We read we, we drafts out and give each other feedback. I've got my beta readers, my editor. They obviously help my proofreader. Uh, and then there's a group In Birmingham, the New Street Authors, who are are like an indie author collective, and I've learned a lot from them about just the basics of making sure that a book is good. Uh, And the Alliance of Independent Authors.
1: Yeah, here, here, yeah.
2: And Brian Cohen's team. and Loads of people out there who are very happy to help, in many cases, for free. Really good.
1: Yeah absolutely it's what yeah we're trying, we're trying to build another another big branch of that here at, at the two in the authors a, a really big pleasure um great privilege for me and rob to to spend that time with you and, and to pick your brain on your indie author career thanks so absolutely. much for giving us um your time today
2: thank you too it's been an absolute pleasure and all the best with your books two in the
0: I mean David we say it every time and we've been saying it for a year it's always wonderful to talk to another independent author about their journey and AA has been doing this double the time you and I have and she yeah. has so much knowledge about um, about being the author
1: industry and what she was you know doing going forward as well brilliant chat yeah really great chat and it's yeah and we chatted with her off our fair as well and, and, and she was so warm and, and, and lovely like we I repeat ourselves. We fo- we seem to be finding all our guests, but I guess if 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 people are following some sort of long-held dream to write books and and they are achieving it, it's it, I, I guess that will will make you happy, right? Or it will certainly yeah, help. Hundred
0: percent. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you very much to A.A. Abbott. It was, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and it really, was. To our listeners. Who fancy coming on the show To have a chat with us And answer our seven questions You can find the sign up form On our website www2 Or the form is also on our Facebook And our Instagram David, before I let you go And ask you about next week uh, What you're doing for the next week I do want to have a small little teaser For what's coming next week Go on And next week we will be announcing the shortlists for our two Indie Authors Awards for 2023. I'm um, very excited about this. Cannot um, wait. We, yeah, we announced it a few weeks ago. We have um, uh, five categories, um, best cover, best blurb, best website, best branding, and the overall Indie Author of the Year 2023. We will be announcing the shortlists next week
1: and I cannot wait. It's going to be so mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The um, the process of uh, going from such a long list of 50 guests that you had in the first year yeah. uh, down to four nominations in each category is such a treat. Um, Coming yeah. through the these uh, businesses and, and published books from everybody we've had. All these lovely authors that we keep talking about every week.
0: Yeah, so it's been wonderful. And then there's another um, incentive to join us on the show. If you join us on the show, you will be in the running for these categories at next year's awards. But we're not talking about next year. I want to talk about next week. What are you
1: doing over the next seven days that you're launching a book, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. By the time this episode drops and um, the book will have come out, it's the fourth book in this uh, novella series. So we'll, um, you know, again, there's no big marketing around it. It's still just advertising. But uh, the first book and and I'm hoping for read through. But it is a case this time having spoken to you and we've gone into that deep in this episode of of really starting to nail the whole. Thing as a series, the whole branding as a series, and, and and put it out there that this, if you're interested in detective or investigation series, this is what you should be reading now. So yeah, I, I'll be I'll be putting that in action over the next seven days. Uh, what about you, Rob? What have you got on?
0: I am going to complete Nano NaNoWriMo. That's what I'm yes. going to do. I'm going to go past the 50,000 word mark, get my certificate to go with last year's certificate, and then I'll only be a week or two away from finishing the first draft of my latest Sam Pope book, which is quite good because then it means while that's going into production over Christmas into the new year, I can start the new year afresh with a new book, which will be fun to do. So, yeah, um, busy week. And I'll speak to you next week, David. See you down, buddy.